0: Let us pray. Lord, as we enter into this time, as we prepare for your word to be read, we ask that you open our hearts, that you open our eyes and our ears, and that you help us to receive your word, that you allow this word to come in, to to move us, to teach us, to guide us. We ask that uh, you bless us now as we wait here in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 1 through 11. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready. For the third day, for on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is our third Lesson in this series that we're doing on the covenants of the Old Testament And, and how they pertain to us today as a church And uh, if you'll remember the first week we talked about Noah The covenant that God was not going to give up on us that, that God is not going to abandon his creation Last week we talked about Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham That uh, his descendants would be among the nations And uh, and we saw that that even though Abraham's direct lineage went through Israel and into the Arab nations through Ishmael, it also includes us because we we are grafted in through faith. And we also become a part of that family. We become heirs to that promise he made to Abraham. So this week we're talking about the covenant he made with with Moses and with the children of Israel. And so I want to just give you a little bit of backstory on, on how we got here. Just so we're not all totally lost. Um, after God made the promise with Abraham, made the covenant to Abraham, uh, he had Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had uh, Jacob, whose name would later be turned uh, changed to Israel. And Jacob or Israel had uh, sons that uh, wound up uh, because of the famine. They wound up in Egypt, and his sons were the twelve tribes of Egypt. And, uh, and as, after they were there a few generations, the Pharaoh in Egypt uh, did not recognize them as, as God's people. He did not recognize them as they had been welcomed in uh, just a few generations before. And he enslaved them. He looked at them as foreigners. And so he enslaved the, the children and the tribes of Israel. And they were slaves there for hundreds of years before God chose Moses. And as uh, Moses was on Mount Oreb, uh, God spoke to him in a burning bush. He said, go back to Egypt and, and do what, you, what I tell you to, and, and I'm going to set my people free. And so Moses goes back to Egypt, and through lots of divine works that God does and, 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 and uh, through God's movement, eventually uh, the people are set free. And so they come out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. And then they they are now here. This is where we find them. They are in the wilderness at Sinai. And again, Moses is going up a mountain to talk to the Lord. And that's where we get this covenant that uh, that God makes here. And so we see that there's a lot of preparation that has gone into this. There are a lot of things that have led up to this. And we see that it's out of God's goodness and out of his grace that he delivered them out of Egypt. It wasn't because of anything they had done. It wasn't because they were just this fascinating group of people. It was because God had chosen them and because God chose to show his grace and his mercy to them. And in doing so, he was preparing them. He was preparing them for this moment. He was preparing them to, to enter into a covenant relationship with him. Now, you may say, well, okay, that, that's great, but what does that have to do with us? Remember what we talked about last week. Through our faith, we become part of that nation. We become part of that family. We become heirs to that covenant that was made with Abraham and came down through Isaac and Jacob and through the 12 tribes of Israel. So this covenant also pertains to us. And uh, and if you don't believe me, all you have to do is look at the passage that we just read, where God calls them a holy nation and a priestly people. And then if you look in the New Testament, you'll see in 1 Peter, which was written to Gentile believers. 1 Peter was was written to uh, non-Jewish people in Asia Minor. And the apostle there writes, but you are a chosen race. He's not talking to Jewish people. He's talking to non-Jewish people. But he's talking to the church. And he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And you see Peter talking to the church is echoing the same words that God gave to the people of Israel as they were in Sinai. Peter says, you're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we see that this covenant that God has made with the people of Israel, it pertains to us, because at one point in time, before our faith, before our decision to accept the grace of God, we are not part of that covenant. We are not an heir to that promise. Once, we were not a people. We were not a holy nation. But then through our grace, or through God's grace and through our faith, we become a part of it. It says, once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And the people in Israel could say the same thing. At one time, we were not a nation. We were scattered. We were enslaved. We were nothing. We had not received God's mercy. But now we have received His mercy. We have received His grace. And we have been delivered. And He offers us this covenant today. You see, God had prepared the people of Israel just as He prepares each one of us. And He prepares the church as a whole and he prepares us individually. We call it, in the Methodist church, provenient grace. It's a good John Wesleyan term. Prevenient grace is that grace that goes before, where God prepares us for what's coming. He prepares us for entering into a relationship with him. And how does he do this? After he has prepared them, how does he take it to the next step? He tells them, remember what I've done to the Egyptians. And remember that I bore you on eagles' wings. Notice God doesn't get specific here. He doesn't say... Uh, remember the plagues. Remember the locusts and the frogs. And remember how I turned the blood into water. Remember how I parted the Red Sea for you, and then I closed it back up. Remember how I got rid of the army that was chasing you. And he doesn't say any of that. He just says, "Remember how I delivered you from Egypt. Remember that I bore you on the wings, on my wings." And and he leaves the reflection up to the people. That's important. That's important for us because as we look back at how we've been delivered from, from things and struggles and, and areas of our lives that we once were in bondage to, it's good for us to reflect on the ways that God has been good to us. Just like we told the, the, the kids during the children's sermon, to count our blessings, to reflect on the ways that God has shown his love and his mercy to us. God's not going to get specific. He's not going to wake you up and say, Okay, wake up this morning and think about uh, all the great things that I've done for you. No, but he wants you to do that. He wants you to reflect on it. Because once you do that reflection, once you stop, you pause, and you look at the ways God has blessed you and led you to where you are today, then you will see how his grace is preparing you. It's always perfecting us. It's always working up towards something God had prepared the people of Israel he prepares us and then he tells us reflect on what I've done to you now this is a two way covenant that means God gives them a promise but he also gives them a condition he says if you keep my commands if you obey me you will be my people And what God is doing is saying I have, I, the grace has gone before you 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 have been delivered because of my grace, and now I give you this covenant because of my grace. Because remember, when 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 Moses went up on the mountain to get the uh, the Ten Commandments, the people rebelled. They built a golden calf and they turned their backs on God. But God gave them the covenant anyway. He forgave them. It was His grace that had delivered them from Egypt. It was his grace that offered them this covenant despite the rebellion. And then he says, going forward, I will continue to show my grace to you. As long as you are my people, as long as you keep my commands, you will be my people and you will find that grace continually and I will forgive you. I I use the the Wesleyan term, prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. But then there's the grace that is justification. That is the moment we enter into covenant with God. That is the moment when we receive God's grace and we allow it to to penetrate us, to change us, to move us, and to make us a new creature. And then the grace that goes beyond that we call sanctifying grace. It's the grace that continues to work on us and continues to make us more like Christ Christ. Now you can say, okay, well, it's God's grace that led us here, and it's God's grace that forgives us, and God says he's going to be gracious to us going forward. Why do we really need to keep any rules or commands or obey anything? If, if his grace abounds, shouldn't we just let it abound? And that's what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? And then Paul answers, certainly not. Certainly not. Because you see, once we allow that grace to touch us, once we receive God's end of the covenant, we are new. We are changed. And going forward, our end of the deal is to move on towards holiness. To show him our, our appreciation, to give him our hearts, to give him our worship. And what happens is we become different. We become a people set apart. And God knows we need people set apart in the world that we're in today. G.K. Chesterton once said that something that's dead will just float with the stream. For something to fight against the stream and to move against the current, it has to be alive. And that's true. When we think about our society, when we think about our culture, when we think about the way everything just moves in the world, if we are spiritually dead, we will just drift right along with it. But if we are made alive, if we allow that grace, that, that, that justification to change us, We enter into a process of sanctification where we are striving for holiness. We are striving to obey God's commands and to be faithful to Him. That's when we are made alive and we will go against the stream. We will go against the current. And that's what He wants. Because anybody can claim grace. Anybody can claim forgiveness. But if they're not living like it's changed them, then they don't really have it. It's like... Saying you're a part of a club, but never going to any meetings, or never paying any dues, or never being a part of any of the events. You can't really claim that if you don't participate in it. And that's why this is a two-way covenant. Because God says, it's out of my grace, out of my mercy, my goodness, my love, I give it to you. But you have to participate in it. You have to give me your heart right back. You have to be willing to stand out, to be a people set apart. You have to be willing to go against the stream, against the current, when you need to, when I'm telling you to. And if you keep my words, you will be my people. Now God's not saying you have to be perfect. He's telling you, you the grace will abound. The grace will keep with you as you go forward. But you must enter into this covenant with me. It's a two-way covenant. And then God closes this covenant by telling them, be ready. He says, tell them, wash their garments and be ready. I'm I'm, I'm coming and, and, and they're going to hear the voice of the Lord coming from the mountain. And he tells us today, be ready. Be ready for when I move. Be ready for when I speak to you. Be ready for when I want to employ you on my behalf. And we can't be ready if we are not preparing ourselves. Preparing our hearts. You see, God has prepared us to receive his grace. But once we do, once we enter that covenant, he wants us to prepare ourselves. He wants us to be ready. You can't claim to be in a relationship with God if you're not first surrendering yourself to God. God has prepared you to receive his grace. He's led us all out of Egypt in some way or another. Or maybe he's in the process today of leading you out of Egypt. But he wants you to recall his goodness, his mercy, the way his grace has changed you, the way it calls you, the way it leads you, even still today. And he offers all of us the promise that he will continue to look out for us, that he will continue to call us his people, his nation. But we must be willing to accept his gift by allowing his grace to change us. We're called apart. We are different from the rest of the world. We are covenant partners with God. We are made covenant partners through his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is true, that it lasts forever, that your covenant you make cannot be broken. We ask for forgiveness all the times that we have broken our end of the bargain, that we have not done what we are supposed to. But we thank you that because of your grace, you forgive us, you heal us, and you continue to lead us. Lord, make us faithful, strengthen us so that we can move on towards holiness, so that we can be sanctified by your love and by your grace. Lord, make us not just receivers of your grace, but participants in this covenant. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.